I started a message on last Sunday. I want to try to conclude it today. Uh, and uh, it is so good to see a number of you that are back with us. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 50. I'm not gonna read the verses just so I can point them out to you and then move forward to a New Testament parallel passage today. I started last night, on, uh, last week rather, on I believe it in my bones. And uh, I started a message uh, just to break it down on the life of Joseph and in particular, the death of Joseph. When you get to the place, uh, verse 24 through 26, he's dying. The Bible concludes the book of Genesis with him being 110 years of age. When he dies, they embalm him. They put him in a coffin in Egypt. And that word coffin in the Hebrew is the same word that we use now for hope chest. I know that's an old phrase that a lot of you are not used to, but it was common in my generation and before me, uh, people weren't blessed so abundantly, so a family would have a hope chest that they would put in special items and special gifts. And when the wedding would take place, the bride received the hope chest and got to see all of the keepsakes of their family when the hope chest was open. That's what he was saying. I don't want you to leave my bones in Egypt. He said, you're, you're coming out. And I dealt with the fact from Hebrews eleven twenty two teaches us that he is a patriarch of faith because of this. And through faith, he demonstrated his belief in God saying, you're not gonna be here. And I dealt first with the root of his faith. The root of his faith was the word of God. And we went to such passages as Genesis 15, verses 13 through 16, and talked about how with, with assurance, with surety, God would bring them back up out of Egypt and all the way back to Abraham's prophecy that God had given to him that they would be, they would be in another nation and they would be his servants there for 400 years, but God would visit them again and bring them out. He went back to the word of God and the word of God is the root of our faith. That's why reading your Bible is so important because that gives you the reason for your faith. You can believe it because God said it. And not only because of the root of his faith or the reason for his faith, but also I dealt a little bit with the rest from his faith. He could die in peace because they gave the oath that they would not leave his bones in Egypt. And because of that, there was a reward of faith. When they left, they took his bones with them. And as they carried those bones through the wilderness, when they came to the promised land, there they buried his bones. So all of this was about the bones. Now let's go to the New Testament parallel. John chapter 11. If you'd allow me to paraphrase just a few things before I read a few verses to you out of the 11th chapter. They have come to Jesus and told Christ that his friend Lazarus is near death. Jesus tarried. He tarried for four days. By the time he arrives, Lazarus has been dead for four days. Lazarus has two sisters, Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha in John chapter 11, Mary and Martha both meet him. And when Mary meets him, 
The phrase was the same as when Martha met him. If thou hadst been here, our brother would not have died. And that's when Jesus gave the great teaching. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Thank you, Jesus, I'm never gonna die. Because we have life everlasting. That's the promise of the word of God. And then he said, where have you laid him? They took him to that place where was the cave and a stone over that cave. And they said, Lord, he's been dead for four days now. His bodies began to decompose. Our Bible says that Martha said to him, he stinketh by now. And you know, there's some things in life that if we're not careful, we'll let the stink stop us. Because sometimes we can get in some situations that's just not pleasant. But the Lord says faith can overcome all the things that are not pleasant in life. And when you go through certain things, you can sit down and say, this just stinks to be at the place that I'm at. But that's when faith is the most valuable. So when you get to verse 40, Jesus now says to her, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest, what's the next word? Believe thou, what's the next word? Shouldest what? See the glory of God. She said, he said, didn't I tell you, if you believe, you will see. When you get down to verse 45, the resurrection has now taken place of Lazarus. Verse 45, then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. Now, you've got two choices, only two choices. You're gonna live your life, if you're a believer, a Christian, you're gonna live your life in one of two categories. The first category says, when I see it, I'll believe it. That was the Jews. When I see it, I'll believe it. Or you'll live in the category of greater faith. The Bible says there's such a thing as a lesser faith and a greater faith. Now, God doesn't look down and say, I love you more than I love the rest of my children, so I'm going to give you greater faith. No, we told you last Sunday, faith comes from the word of God. So when you believe what God says, we all have the capacity to have great faith. If we see that we serve a great God and he has great word for us to help us in the things that we're going through. There'll be that group that will say, I will see it, believe it when I see it. Or there is the group that will say, I will believe it and I know I will see it. One of two. Now it's not that you have no faith. And I think this is where we run into a problem when we talk about faith. We, we think that somehow we have to separate our mental capacity and our mind and our intellect. It has to be separated from faith. That we cannot operate with mental soundness and faith. In other words, you've gotta be off just a little bit in your mind to believe God. Now that's what people wanna make us think. People think that we're not quite right. 
years ago, there was a great preacher by the name of B.R. Lakin, and B.R. Lakin was rather comical when he would preach. For any of you older folks uh, that can remember his sermons, he was a phenomenal preacher. He came out of the hills of West Virginia, and he rode a mule to some of his services when he started preaching. That's how he got around to preach. He's been in heaven for many years. But one time a fella came up to Lakin after he'd preached and he said to him, you're a nut. And Lakin said, if I'm a nut, I'm screwed on the right boat. And the world wants to look at us today and say, you're absolutely crazy. You listen to me. Don't you call me crazy. When I can come into a climate-controlled building and praise God for all of his goodness and you go out and sit somewhere in a stadium when it's zero or when it's a hundred and you sit with a bunch of folks that's out of their mind, don't you call me crazy. I didn't have to paint my face. I didn't have to take my shirt off, thank goodness for that. I didn't have to paint my body. I don't have to wear a sign. I don't have to camp outside. And you know what? Call me what you want to. Yes, I might get worked up. And yes, I might shout. And yes, I might get, I might get loud. But thank God, I am saved, 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 saved. And by faith, you can be saved. Well, that felt good. God, now, now faith starts with this. God created me. You do believe that God created everything, don't you? God said, let us make man in our own image. I believe God created man. See, we can't go any further if we don't get over that. And evidently we haven't got over it because only 20 of you believe that God created man. See, here's how it works. When I say the word, you say amen. God said, let us make man in our own image. So you believe that. If you believe that, say glory to God. Most of you believe it. And the rest of you that don't believe it, you can't be saved until you do believe it. Because God is the savior, he's the creator. It takes that. I'm sorry, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Now, when he created man, he created man, he said, let us make man in our own image. That's body, soul, spirit, and mind. Man's mind was on God. Man's mind was on godly things because man's mind wasn't on sin. But when sin came, when Adam and Eve fell in sin, no longer was there the perfect body. Sickness came because of sin. No longer was there the perfect spirit. The spirit died immediately. The spirit, the communicating part, that part that allows us to reach out to God and God reach back to us. 
that died immediately. The relationship was broken, not because of God, but because of mankind. The soul is no longer in a place of perfection. The soul is now doomed for eternity without, without Christ, without God. And the mind is no longer perfect. Hmm. So man's mind now, where his mind was on God and godly things before, now his mind, he thinks sinfully. She thinks sinfully. But they can still think. Thank God they can still think. So God appeals to what remaining rationality that we have after the fall. God appeals to us to listen to him and to love him with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. So he's appealing for us to have a mind like Christ because now our mind was affected after the fall, just like our body was affected and death came, separation came. And our mind is not what it used to be. I'm not talking about when you were young. I'm talking about before the fall. So our mind is not what it used to be. Our body is not what it used to be. Our body now gets sick. Our body goes back to the dust from whence it came. Our spiritual relationship with God is severed and our thinking is not right. We will make wrong choices. And we will be prone to make wrong choices before we do the right thing. Because we are now distanced from God. So, he says, what mind you have left, you don't have to divorce your reasoning from faith to have faith. We really, we really, when it comes to our reasoning and our mind, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And God also said in Isaiah 1, 18, come now let us reason together. Now our intellect doesn't save us, not at all. God's concerned about our intellect. See, knowledge is important, but you cannot have certain things in your life revealed to you about God on an intellectual level because he's above that. It can only be revealed on a spiritual level. That doesn't mean that you can't gain knowledge. Through knowledge, we embrace God better and we know more of God and through knowledge as we gain that understanding, it also gives us more appreciation for what God has done. But you don't have the understanding that it takes to save yourself. And you don't have mind enough to believe enough to save yourself. See, if it was based on just reasoning and not faith, here's the problem. If it's just reasoning and not faith, then it would be unfair. Because I know, as we get older, 
we lose a little bit of our mind. Don't tell me you don't lose your mind. I've helped you hunt for your car keys. I've looked for Bibles that you didn't bring. I've made many a trip over here at midnight to find something that somebody left at the church that they called me the next morning and said, oh, I found it in the closet. I thought I took it. Now that's not bad people. But we could lose our mind. And if it was based on your mind and then you'd lose your mind, then you'd have no assurance of your salvation. Do you know something? You can get dementia, but your soul's just fine. Oh, glory to God. You may not remember a lot of things. There may be things that you have good intentions and you mean to do and God sees your heart and you just forgot. But you're still on your way to heaven. He doesn't base it on our mind. And not only that, if it was based on intellect, how much intellect do you have to have to make it to heaven? See how unfair that would be? All of us don't have a high IQ. Why are you looking at that person over there? All of us don't have a high IQ. Look right here. All of us don't have a, oh, you're tempting, aren't you? All of us don't have a high, and if, if it was that, how much do we have to know to make it happen? Would I just have to know John three sixteen? Would I just have to know the Gospel of Matthew? Would I just have to know the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible? How much would I have to know? How much of the law would I have to know? How much understanding would I have to have about angels? How much would I have to know about justification? How much would I have to know about sanctification? How much would I have to know about glorification? How much would I have to know about theology? How much would I have to know about God? How much would I have to know about God's love? Where would the limit be? God says, no, I'm not going to base it on that. That would be unfair. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to base it on faith. And if you have faith to believe that Jesus is the son of God and you have faith to believe that Jesus rose from the grave. If you have faith to believe that Jesus has power to change your life, that faith is all you need to be saved. So really, what I have to appeal to today is what I have to appeal to every time I preach. For people to stop putting reasoning above faith and turn it around where faith is greater than our reasoning. Don't eliminate reasoning, but reasoning is not more important than faith. For this reason, I've seen a lot of great churches that have absolutely fallen into spiritual disrepair because I've watched leaders that are great business people, they're great in business, but they can't perceive the spiritual aspect. 
And God only reveals himself on the spiritual aspect. If you want to know more about God, you're not going to do it through your mind, you're going to do it through your spirit. And that's why it's so important that you don't let yourself die spiritually. God never sets out to explain himself. God only wants to reveal himself. And the way God reveals himself to us is through faith. So if you want to turn it around, see right now, you're saying, oh, I want faith. Oh, I want to believe God. After I go to 22 doctors. I want to believe God after I get the new contract for the job. Getting lonely up here this morning. Oh, I, I want to believe God after my family gets saved. But I don't want to see it. He said, do you know if you believe You already see the glory of God, but you cannot see the glory of God until you believe. I know that from all signs, all appearances right now, that you're looking at it and you're saying it makes no sense. I'm still going through all of this. And how can I act like that nothing's going on? The same way you've got to reach a level in your life spiritually where you quit letting your body determine how you're going to worship God. You don't come into this place and say, I'm too tired to praise God. I feel too bad. My head hurts. My stomach hurts. I've had a tough week. Can I tell you, I don't care what I've gone through this week. He is still God and he is on the throne and he can do anything. And our faith reaches beyond all of that to say, I may not see it right now, but oh Lord, I believe. And what we believe, we see the glory of God. Faith. That means you've got to get to a level where you believe what you cannot see right now. But you believe it so much, you see it as though it is, even though it is not. Now, I haven't seen Jesus with my eyes. I haven't touched him with these hands. I haven't put my arms around him. I haven't been able to stand before him physically and worship him the way I want to, but by faith. (laughs) I see him as though he is because he is. By faith, I have touched him. Hey, this may not help you today, but it's coming. You better learn. When you get the news in a hospital room, you're gonna be glad that there was a preacher that stood and told you the thing that's gonna get you through. There's no reasoning. There's no understanding. I don't understand why things go the way they go. And some of you often ask me, why, preacher, why? I don't know, but I know one thing. That's not the end of the story. It's not what it is right now. It's what it's gonna be. And when we look to the end of the story and we see his hand and his will, 
on our life and his purpose and we see it the way he intended it, we're going to believe and see the glory of God. You can't talk it out. You can't work it out. You can't explain it. Candy and I dealt with a situation this week and I, I can't go into details, but you'll, you'll get enough of it to understand what I'm trying to say. It was a sad situation when we left. After talking to the individual, she said, isn't that sad? And we started talking. I, I never dreamed, never dreamed how, how the devil would get into some families and plant such seeds that causes such problems. And you can say what you want to, but always, 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 it's because somebody didn't believe. Somebody lacked faith. You say, oh, why preacher, uh, you don't know all the circumstances. I'm not looking at the circumstances. I'm looking at the end result. If you look at me right now, you're gonna be disappointed, but you wait and see me when God's through with me. You can't look at things right now the way it is. A lady, I wouldn't embarrass her, but she asked me to pray and asked me to ask everybody else to pray. She said, I want you to pray for me and pray for my family just this week the meeting in Huntington. I said, sure. I've known her family for years. And she said, well, she named her son. And I said, where is he? He's usually here in the meetings. We hadn't been able to have the meeting for four years there because of COVID and other things. And, and I said, where is he? And she said, I don't know. I said, what do you mean you don't know? And she said, about five years ago, we came together for a holiday. Everything was fine. After the meal, he stood up and he said, he said, I'll never be back to another family gathering. He was in church. He was serving the Lord. And she said, he went for two years. He wouldn't call, he wouldn't answer a call. I've done everything to reach him. Said it was two to three years before I even heard from him. Hmm. And she said, I need some help. I said, you promise that you won't call me crazy? She said, I promise. I said, when you come together for your Thanksgiving dinner, set a couple extra places. And I said, when, when you pass the food, when you pass the food around, you have one of them right beside of you where your son would normally sit. And you just turn and say, Johnny, do you want some potatoes? She said, it's an empty plate. I said, not if you see it full. I don't think you're getting this. You do not have to see it 
and wait to see it to believe it. You can believe it and see it happen. You have to trust what you cannot test. Some things are self-evident. The Bible tells us all about faith in one verse, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things. Now faith is the substance of things. Can you speak? Now faith is the substance of things and the evidence of things. Explain that. Intellectually, I cannot explain it. No more than I can explain the fact that one day I'm going to have a body that is youthful and strong and healthy and be in a place where there's no devil and no sin. I cannot explain that to you, but can I tell you it is self-evident from Scripture that I don't have to test it to trust it. I believe it because God said it. And some of you have a problem with that. When I see certain things happen, I will believe it. And then when you see it, you still don't believe it. Because the devil will say, it's time for an eye exam. Your eyes aren't good. You didn't really see that. Everything doesn't have to be seen to be fact. Now, listen real close to what I'm gonna ask you. Have you ever seen in person your great, 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 great grandfather? I mean, did you ever shake his hand? Did you ever have a conversation with him? Did you ever eat a meal with him? It's pretty self-evident, though, you had to have one. Because had you not had a great, 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 great grandfather, you wouldn't be here today. Your presence here is self-evident of the fact he had to exist. And you're trying to tell me, are you saying that you don't trust that you had a great, 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 great grandfather? You don't trust that? You had it. He had to exist. If he didn't exist, you wouldn't exist. And God is saying, you cannot see me here today, but you can trust me. I am here today with you and I'm walking with you. And I, for one, am so weary of seeing professing believers not trusting God. Two more minutes. You're going to regret what you just said. Two minutes. Siri set my timer for two minutes. Wait, the wheel's turning. One second. Go. <laughs> Can I tell you how I know people 
don't have faith? I see it all the time in my ministry. People come to the altar, they ask God to forgive them, and I hear the murmurings. How long will they last? And now I'm about to lose members. I might need another two minutes. Thank you, Siri. You don't even have enough faith to believe God will forgive people. You know how I know that? You hold it against them. And you get your little unbeliever club of believing unbelievers that sing kumbaya. But then when someone has lived a wretched life, I don't believe God forgave them. I don't believe God for, forgive them. I, I don't believe God saved them. I don't trust that. I know what they did. Well, then why would he forgive you? Why are your sins better than their sins and they don't deserve forgiveness? I'm here to tell you, if I don't believe that God could reach down in this place, take the vow of sinner today and change their life and turn them around, I'd lay this book down and never preach it anymore because it's not the gospel. I'm here to tell you, I'm on your side because heaven's on your side. And yes, God will forgive you and yes God will save you and yes God will redeem you you messed up too God doesn't have a category of sin your lying is just as bad as their immorality your drunkenness is just as sinful as their wretchedness. A murderer behind the bars one day asked me, do you believe, do you believe that God could forgive me of this? And I said, no. And he looked at me and started crying. I said, I know God can. I know God can. You don't want to associate with people. You don't want, you know, you know who you are? You are a modern day Pharisee and scribe. Because they were the ones saying, Will you look at that? Jesus is going home with a sinner. I'm glad he does. I don't know what you've done today, but I know there's only one sin that's unpardonable and you've not committed that or you wouldn't be here. But I'm here to tell you, the grace of God is greater than all the sin that you've committed and the power of God can turn your life around today. I don't understand. Help me. Help me. I don't understand because I can't understand. I don't operate by just reasoning. I don't understand why you can't speak to people and why you can't shake people's hand and why you can't, boy, I'm feeling this today. 
I don't understand why you can't hug somebody's neck. I don't understand. After they say, God has forgiven me. Oh, they'll have to prove themselves. Yes, I know there's a lot. They'll spend the rest of their life. May I remind you, that's what I'm doing too. But I know the power of God to save people and change lives. And if we don't believe that, we might as well shut it down. When I see it, I'll believe it. We're having a good time. Nobody else is, but we're having a good time. Yeah. We've got, we've got to understand. God says, you will see the glory, but first you must believe. Go ahead and turn me off. You just told me who you are. I'm way past my, I know Siri, I'm way past it. But if I can't help you, I might as well leave. And if you're not careful, it can creep in and you'll become the police of heaven. God don't need an officer from heaven. He's already got one, he's the Holy Ghost. And he knows exactly, if they're doing wrong, he'll let them know. He has a way of getting our attention. He has a way of showing us. And I'm glad that my salvation didn't didn't have to hinge on the approval of others because if that happened to any of us, we'd all be in trouble because sure as a world, there's somebody don't like you. But I'm so glad Jesus loves us all and he made a way that we could be saved. I'm done. Thank you for forgiving me for going six minutes instead of two. Thank you. So you think nobody knows. There's, there's people, there's people in every church I go into when certain people get up to say something, get up to sing or people get up to preach or do certain things. They drop their head and they refuse to look at them and just full of anger and hatred. Full of it. You know what we need today in this church? Uh, We've got a good 10 minutes that we can do it. You say, oh no, preacher, COVID's rampant again. That'll work as long as you let it work too. You say, what if you get it? I already got it once. Came to our house, and I want to tell you something. Death ain't no big deal. If Jesus lives at home with you, you don't have to worry about it. I'm not saying you don't fight to live. I'm just saying you don't worry about it when it comes because it's coming anyway. And I'm not being, see, you're saying, hey, you've lost your mind. (laughs) Now, what it is, let me tell you what the devil's done. Between, I'm not blaming one thing, he just uses tools between social media, the pandemic, and the world that we're in now, 
He doesn't want us to have any interaction with each other. None. One hospital out of the area that uh, I have my volunteer chaplaincy through them as well just for free parking. Hey, 12 bucks. You make four or five trips there in a week and see if they don't. Yeah, give me the card, man. Give me the. <laughs> and they sent a thing through uh, before vacation. No longer touch anyone in the facility. Doctors can't touch patients. Preachers can't hold people's hand and pray with them. Sounds like church. Don't touch one another. Find your own favorite group, sit in your own favorite spot, live in your own favorite world and tell each other how wonderful you are. And look across the way and see somebody else. Do you know what they did? That's the key, they did it. And may I remind you, and such were some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified because of Jesus. So today, we're gonna close this way. If you're away from the Lord, you're gonna have to demonstrate faith. If you're battling things, you've been trying to figure it out on your own and every other way but faith, if you wanna see the glory of God, you've got to believe it. Some need to come to prayer. And I'll tell you what some need to do. They just need to go to somebody and yes, you heard it from the pulpit. Give them a great big old hug. Say, I love you. I love you. Yeah, you're catching on already. Give them a big old hug and just say, I love you. I love you.